Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Truth. I'm very, very happy to have Joe Zamet Lucia with me today, who I've known for over a decade. He has experience in the business and political worlds. Uh, and that includes being a public speaker, an author, a commentator in the international press. And he has very unique views, in my opinion, on the connections of business and politics. Uh, his latest book is The New Political Capitalism, How Businesses and Societies Can Thrive in a Deeply Politicized World. It's by Bloomsbury Press 2022. Bloomsbury is one of my publishers as well. His previous books have included The Death of Liberal Democracy, question mark, and Backlash, Saving Globalization from Itself. He's the founder of Radix, which is a not-for-profit public policy think tank and the Radix Center for Business, Politics, and Society. His executive experience has spanned R&D, marketing, global brand management, strategic planning, industry, economics, and public policy. Uh, I met him when he had founded his own management consulting firm in the pharma industry, which had offices in Cambridge and New York and Tokyo. And he's lived and worked in the UK, the US, France, Spain, Germany, the Netherlands, Malta. He speaks five languages and a bit of French, which is six more languages than I speak. Joe, welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Good to hook up again and nice to see you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to have people with me who uh, have innovative views on what's going on in society and business and so forth. And uh, your view is kind of interesting in that um, the concept of business is business and capitalism is capitalism and government is government, you know, and they're never going to meet uh, is the antithesis to your position. So tell us about that. Sure. So um, th th there's been this idea, that, as you say, floating around that somehow business is apolitical and just gets on with the business of making money. And that idea was fed over the last 20, 30 years by the fact that we thought we'd sorted out politics around the world. You know, liberal democracy had won, neoliberal economics and neoclassical economics had won, the battle of ideas, it was the end of history, and, you know, we all knew exactly how the world was going to be organised. So the window of political debate was rather narrow. Um, and so business could just ignore that by and large and get on with the business of making money. Well, as we all know, by, by looking around us, um, all that has been blown apart in the last 20 years. Uh, I, I see the start of this as 9-11, which is just over 20 years ago. Uh, then we had the great financial crash. Um, you know, we had wars everywhere. We have the rise of China, whom we deluded ourselves would see the error of its ways and become like us, you know, <laughs> nice, nice and democratic. Um, and, and, you know, none of that came to pass. Now we have a revanchist Russia. We have a war in Europe, which was kind of unthinkable. And even within nations, and particularly your, your country, we have these viciously polarized political views uh, where everything anybody says is is taken excessively seriously. Um, so so everything has become politicized and business is not immune from that. 
besides the fact that you know what do we mean by politics because when you say politics people think of the rather tawdry process of electoral politics or party politics but i define politics differently i define politics as the process by which we decide collectively what sort of society we want to live in and there is nobody who doesn't have an interest in that and we know that business has a big impact on that now if i so can inherently political and you just said something very very interesting because that definition you gave of politics as opposed to an electoral process is somewhat similar to the process of strategy which uh, you know is really it's it's a framework within which you make decisions about the nature and direction of a business and so you're talking very strategically there aren't you about politics yes and and of course i mean the process of strategy and this this if you like um is the big difference between the political way of thinking and the business way of thinking because in business the process of strategy development is a disciplined analytical process mm-hmm. um where you know there's lots of you know what Kahneman calls system 2 thinking very slow deliberate analytical uh and you reach a conclusion and everybody follows it but the political process is fundamentally different because it's done through a competition of ideas in the public square so we have people throwing different political ideas around hoping that that will capture the spirit of the times more and they will win the election um the other aspect of politics which is fundamentally different from business is that in the world the question of what sort of society we want to live in is always contested and everybody has a different opinion about that so so the art of politics is to find a way forward when everybody wants something different and that is fundamentally different way of thinking and being than being a business person now you and i met just before 9/11 uh uh dealing with your organization in New York and then we we dealt again after 9/11 has your did your thinking about this originate that long ago or has it substantially changed in the interim it's it's substantially changed in the interim because you know 9/11 we all saw as an event um we didn't really predict what was going to happen and couldn't predict what was going to happen over the next 20 years um <clears throat> but you know 911 marked the start of the breakdown of the geopolitical process since then we've had the breakdown of the political process at national level because the social contract is broken uh you know the social contract of your and my generation uh <clears throat> where you know you did you 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 got educated you easily got a job uh it was relatively stable uh you could earn a living and be guaranteed a nice pension uh you know all that is gone so 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 our whole social contract no longer works um so now everybody's in a panic because we don't know what the new arrangements are going to be like and they will emerge out of this fomenting 
of different political ideas. You know, it, it see, that's fascinating. It, it seems to me there was almost a utilitarianism at work, a Bentham kind of feeling that greatest good for the greatest number. Who can argue with that? Right. Uh, and today um, we have uh, legitimate uh, upset and grievances from a wide variety of people, unheard from before in many cases, or muted. And on top of that, we have a, a sort of moral narcissism that says, I don't just disagree with you, you are inferior to me. Yes, you're uh, wrong. You're wrong. In other words, it's not sufficient for me to be right. You must also be wrong. Absolutely. Which makes compromise impossible. So do you see in, in looking at this, and you make a very strong case here for this integration of business and politics, do you see a remediation here? Uh, is, uh, have we come, are we past the point of no return? Well, you know, um, it's, it's the end of an era. Um, and we've had end of times before. Francis, uh, somebody wrote a book about it, the Japanese author, The End of the History. Yeah, The, the End, end of, of History. history. He, yes, he, he said, you know, everything is now settled. Yeah, we're uh, done. <laughs> <laughs> and it was for a long time. I mean, an, an, an inordinately long time. Um, but every system comes to a natural end. You know, everything ends and needs to be refreshed. Now, you know, in business... You can plan or think about and then execute how you're going to revitalize your business. In, a, in societies, it's not a nice, neat process like that. You know, it's, it's a lot of things happening in disjointed fashions, in a disjointed fashion. And the future and the new system is an emergent process. It emerges out of this conflict of ideas. Um, and there's no way that we can predict what the future will look like, but something will emerge. The question is whether, the, you know, the question is the amount of turmoil that we'll have to go through in the transitional period. You know, is it going to be a relatively smooth transition or is it going to be like the French Revolution? You know, uh, you know at the two extremes, if you like. <laughs> Or is it going to be something in between? And, and at the moment, we're in this transitional period. And as the Marxist philosopher Gramsci said, um, you know, which, which is a, a quote that's often used, and I like to use it, you know, uh, the, the old is dying and the new is struggling to be born. And in this interregnum, we see a lot of morbid symptoms. So and that's where we are now. It's not as easy as the king is dead, long live the king. No, absolutely. Right? Those, were, those were the easy days. Well, so I, I like your comment about the interregnum. Uh, and I'm wondering, uh, you know, how, how, much, how much turmoil can society sustain? And how, how much before we become inured to it? In other words, uh, you, I think you wrote this book before Ukraine, before the war. Yes. And I imagine that you would include this as, as part of this combination that needs to be looked at. But if you look at Ukraine, it's really seldom on the front pages anymore, and COVID seldom on the front pages anymore, and supply chain is faded, and we become inured to these things. And if you watch the media, um, television particularly, you'll see a newscaster say um, they're shelling around a nuclear plant in the Ukraine, and they're inspecting that. Now, Andy, what's the weather for tomorrow? Yes. And that's the transition. <laughs> and so we've become used to this, and do you think that's a danger? <laughs> In that we don't pay enough attention. 
It is. And um, we do get used to things pretty quickly. But we're not, and, and, you know, you're further away from Ukraine. I mean, you know, from where I am, or from if I were to cross the channel into France, Ukraine is a two-day drive. So, you know, it's, it's in the backyard. Mm. So the newspapers here haven't forgotten about Ukraine. And they particularly haven't forgotten about Ukraine because everybody has to pay these energy prices now. Um, so... So, you know, for the first time I've seen in British newspapers what I've been saying for the last several months. We are at war. It's not something that's happening over there. And you can't be at war and not feel some consequences. You know, we've, we've got used to the idea, you know, when, when your country with ours was at war in Iraq and in Afghanistan, it was something that we saw on CNN. It was sort of over. It's it's like a movie almost. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but but this is for us here is much more real, and I think for the world is much more real uh, because it is a real battle between some kind of consensus about a rules based world order, or going back to. Whoever is the biggest bully wins. Um, and, and that's a very dangerous place to go back to. So if your newspapers are already forgetting about Ukraine or, or relegating it to page seven, then they're doing your citizens a, a disservice. Well, I think the media, um, and I'll have a major figure in the media with me in a few weeks here, but I think the media are doing a disservice. I think either uh, overtly or covertly or advertently or inadvertently doing a disservice for those very reasons. And I wonder what you think about leadership today, because uh, while business leadership is often taken to task, it seems to me we don't have great statespeople in place today. In this, in this world of order that you talked about, as opposed to the despots. Uh, you just had a change of government in the UK, uh, and uh, we're looking at a contentious election, off your election here in November. Uh, and uh, I'm wondering, if you look back over the past decade or so, or even longer, is part of this a failure of people in uh, elective offices having the right values and the right means to go forward. I mean, uh... yeah. Well, you know, what I've come to realize is that doing politics is fiendishly difficult. Uh, <clears throat> you know, business people tend to take a superior view to and said, you know, these politicians are all incompetent. If only business people ran the world, it would all be okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing, to me nothing could be more horrifying right. but but but, <laughs> but doing politics is fiendishly difficult and even more difficult in difficult times like these and the reality is that great leaders don't grow on trees um you know they emerge every so often if we're lucky once a generation um so you know, we're, we're stuck, if you like, with what we have. But again, rather than pointing the finger, maybe we should look in the mirror. Um, because we don't make it easy for politicians. You know, we're, you know they're everybody's favorite punch bag. Uh, 
Um, we all think we can do better, even though we've never done the job. Uh, they're all idiots. And if only I were running the place, everything would be fine. Oh, we, then, demand, we demand yes, sainthood, don't we? Yes, we, de we demand everything. We demand kind of a combination of, of, of Thomas Aquinas and Superman. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just not possible. Um, and the media don't help, you know, you know, ever critical of whatever politicians do. I mean, you know, in, in biz, take business. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, starting out as an entrepreneur, you expect to fail once or twice. <laughs> uh, and people pat you on the back and say, oh, well, you've get, given it a go. You've <laughs> learned something. Now try again. When did you first, when did you last see a newspaper headline saying the government tried something, it failed? Oh, never mind. Well done for trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you increased inflation. It didn't work, but keep at it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get it right. <laughs> exactly. As if, as if they can control inflation. But anyway, let's let that pass. But I think the interesting thing for business people, for your for your audience, if you like, is that all this is having a tremendous effect on how people are expected to run their business. I, I, you wrote something here, or you spoke about it. You talked about um, environmental, social, and government questions, commonly called, you know, ESG today. Yes. Uh, the relationship between data and privacy in a digitalized world, the impact of artificial intelligence, supply chain problems, and so forth. And as I interpreted, at least, the fact that this can't be successfully resolved unless you have a synergy with politics and business, both working together. And, you know, you've used COVID as an example, if I'm not mistaken, of how that can work. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, First of all, the relationship between business and politics is ever dynamic and ever changing, and it's also cultural. So in the US, you have, or let me put it another way, in Europe, we are more used to the interaction between government and politics. Um, in the US, you don't like that, uh, you know, and many people don't like government at all. Uh, so, so it's more difficult. Um, but, but let's take a company like Facebook or Meta, as it's now called. People call it a technology company. Okay? How many of us give a damn about what technology underlies their products? You know, what we care about is the impact they're having on our society. The polarization, the shoutiness, the 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 people getting at each other the fracturing of our social cohesion which are the negative aspects and the positive aspects the fact that now we can speak to each other more we can speak to people across the globe we can know what you know there's more connectivity now all those are political aspects they're they're about what sort of society we live in so meta is a political corporation because its impact on the world is political. Its technology is secondary. We don't give a damn about whether they use, you know, microchips or screws. 
to, deli to deliver what they deliver. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, when you open your computer, you don't care about what's behind the screen. You just care that it does what you need it to do. Exactly. I, I talked to a, a technology guru once, and he was making that very point. And he said, you know, when people turn on a light, they don't say to whoever's next to them, oh, I'm going into the electrical grid. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> Just one light. <laughs> so, so given that, Joe, uh, as you look around at, at sort of social upheaval right now, you know, here we called it the Great Resignation, which I think it was more like an existential jailbreak, really. Yes. Uh, yes. But you look at these things, and um, do you think that um, uh, there's a perceived loss of control that People think that they've lost control, that uh, the pandemic exacerbated that feeling, that volatility exacerbates it, and either they tend to rely on government more or they tend to be more suspicious of government depending upon other things. In other words, it, it seems to me that the, the basic transmission of values used to be the family dinner table in schools and churches, and those don't exist anymore. Absolutely. And so where does it come from? Yes. So the question, big question, I think we have today is what holds us together? Right. You know, religion is gone. Mm. Um, you know, sort of the the small town feel that held people together is gone. And for the last several years, we've had even people trying to undermine the idea of the nation state. Now, if we lose that. What holds us together? You know, what makes me want to help you? What makes me want to help my neighbor so that my neighbor can help me? Uh, and this has all been exacerbated, of course, by the culture of individualism that has grown dramatically since the 70s, 80s, and 90s, where every man's out for himself. Um, <clears throat> so that, that's a big issue that we're facing that is a bit kind of airy fairy and philosophical and therefore people get bored discussing it hmm. uh, now you said have we lost control well i'll ask the question back in a different way maybe we've lost the delusion of control um we were never in control it's just that society was relatively prosperous relatively well off relatively well organized people decided to follow the rules more or less and some people believed that that was due to exertion of control but it was just the social mores of the time now all that is breaking apart because everybody has different views and as you say you know it's not sufficient that i disagree with you i have to destroy you um so so you know but again, this is what I call pre-revolutionary times, because all revolutions, whether they're minor revolutions or major revolutions, start this way. They start with discontent. They start with people polarizing into groups, and then they fight each other. Now, either they fight each other with swords, they fight each other with bayonets, they fight each other with nuclear weapons, or they fight each other on Facebook. Um, now, if I were to choose from all of those, I'd choose that they fight each other on Facebook. <laughs> but, but nevertheless, the principle is the same. Um, so, but it's all because people are insecure. 
and people can see, can feel they don't necessarily intellectualize it but they feel it in their bones that the system is breaking down it's running to the end of its time it's not that it's not served us well but you know like you and me everything has a lifetime <laughs> um, and at the end of the day you know that lifetime passes and something new has to be born um, and we don't know what that is but business is being severe you know dramatically affected by all this you know everything that business does now from big questions like should you source cotton from the province of Xinjiang and slave labor in China mm-hmm. to should a corporation have gender neutral bathrooms you know everything from top to bottom is has become a political question on which chief executives and business leaders and entrepreneurs are questioned cons- constantly about it and frankly business leaders don't have the skills yet to speak and act politically because they've never needed them so it's not surprising so these are new skills that need to be developed and a lot of people think that this is something that only affects big corporations well i can tell you the story of a friend of mine who started a very successful sustainable and ethical garment business um and because she called it that a bunch of activists went after her to see whether she was living by her values and as we all know activists are people who can never be satisfied that's very true <laughs> so they made her life hell their demands were so outrageous that she couldn't cope she this is a business that generated a million dollars in its first year of business and halfway through the second year she had to shut it down because of activist political activist pressure so this affects everybody and it's it needs a new skills base which doesn't come naturally to business people and which is certainly not taught at business school so given what we've been discussing for the last uh, 25 or so minutes are you an optimist a pessimist a cynic uh hopeful how do you look at the at the years ahead so i i'm a realist i guess is how i like to think of myself um <clears throat> i think that it is natural that any era comes to an end it is also natural that something new and unknown today will somehow emerge i think the only thing we need to be discussing is how difficult are we going to make that transitional period for ourselves mm. um and the more aggressive we get about it the more polarized we get about it the more difficult that transitional period will be um and the over on that i think we have a degree of control as citizens and as voters you know if we vote for polarizing people we will get polarization but that's our choice yeah i i've never been able to argue with the uh, position that we get the kind of government we deserve right uh, i've always felt that true joe if people want to learn more or read more uh where should they go a website a source what would you recommend sure so i have a website called uh www new political capitalism one word dot com 
Uh, and on there, they'll see a lot of background. They'll see a lot of podcasts. They'll see a bunch of articles written by me or by others. And they'll also, if they uh, if they like, we'll have a link to go to buy the book if it interests them. That's great. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Uh, I want to thank you for being with me, and I look forward, I hope, to seeing you in person uh, in early December. That'd be great. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, have a good rest of the week. Thank you, Joe. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.